Is it too late for me to become an animator? I'm 30. Are you kidding me? You you live once. Once. You get one chance to, to ride this ride we're on on planet Earth. Live it. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Bit Between. I'm Sabi Mahmood aka Sabdog and today we have Justin Rosh with us. How's it going Justin? Going great, thanks for having me. Um, so Justin is an animator. In fact, I'll let you introduce yourself Justin. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm uh, an animator. I work in 2D, CG and stop motion animation. Uh, I've been working professionally for the last 25 years. Uh, in video games, television, and film. And uh, me and my wife have a studio, uh, even though I have a full-time job working for Blizzard Entertainment as a video game animator and cinematics, uh, we make our own short films at home in our garage. Well, let's, before we go on to all that stuff, let's start with uh, the beginnings of your your animation uh, career. You, you spoke on your YouTube channel a little bit about the inspiration behind that. And you said it was like, the um Some, like, creature creature, creature yeah. feature that's it yeah, yeah sorry the creature features that you watched on the th um weekends and then yeah. the adventures of nim um yeah. do you want to expand a little bit on that and how that's kind of influenced you sure. to where you are now i think you know like most most young people uh you know you gravitate towards whatever you gravitate it's like soccer or you know, baseball or art or cartoons, toys, whatever. And I, I gravitated very heavily towards animation. I saw a few, uh, you know, I mean, it, I guess it even starts with like children's book, just the illustrations in children's book that my what my mom would read to me that would make me want to draw, you know? And then as I got a little more, uh, you know, developed as a human being, I saw some animated films. Uh, one of them was called Secret of Nim. And uh, it was, you know, a much more adult animated film at the time, uh, as opposed to like maybe Disney or just the the fast food kind of cartoons you saw every day after school. And uh, it felt a little bit scary, uh, but it it had incredible incredible characters and rich rich colors and and magic, which I'm very into fantasy uh and it really sparked me on a on a big lifetime of drawing and uh growing up uh you know watching the creature features on the weekend that's what we had them here in the in the united states it was like monster movies anything science fiction or horror that had creatures and suits or stop motion animated monsters was incredibly uh inspirational to me because i had no idea how it was done but it was, you know, magic. So uh, as I got even older, I started finding magazines that had little nuggets and pictures of the animators kind of moving these figures around. And then I would see a little special, you know, because this is before really even cable, uh, you know, like there was a few channels uh, where I would see every once in a while, like the Disney channel kind of started coming out and you'd see behind the scenes of the artist flipping their drawings and you're like wow that's how they do animation and uh and that's a job <gasps> holy crap people do this stuff and get paid that's amazing you know so it kind of opened my mind to the possibilities and i grew up in a place called florida in in uh in america where there was disney world not too far away and i knew disney you know did a lot of animation uh, so it felt like there was something there to maybe tap into. 
And then as I grew older, you know, the special effects films from the 80s, Terminators, Robocops, you know, Willow, like all the things that still use stop motion uh, and special effects, practical effects, masks, creatures, uh, miniatures uh, was really inspiring. So me and my brother kind of thought we would get into special effects as a career someday. And uh, we went to art school, an art school called Art Institute of Pittsburgh. And uh, they had one of the only programs in the world that had a real special effects program where you could learn from people that did movie effects. And while I was in school, uh, I was also doing 2D animation, right? So I was doing both the things that I love. And uh, a film called Jurassic Park came out, which kind of blew the world uh, mind, you know, it was just like, holy cow, I've never seen anything that moved so well, looked so good and created this, this new level of illusion for effects work. And uh, I went and changed my my major the next morning after seeing that film to, to uh, CG, because I, I already had a kid at that point in my life. And I was like, okay, that's kind of the future for jobs, because I needed a job, right? And also for you know amazing effects possibilities. So when I graduated college, I my first job was at a Japanese video game company, which was totally again out of left field. I didn't expect to get into video games, but it was using my animated skills and also now this new new uh, computer animated skills that I that I had learned in school. So uh, that's kind of how I got into the field uh, and my you know original inspirations. Yeah, and um, it must have been weird, though, because the 3D programs that you would have been using back then would have been oh, yeah. nowhere near as good as oh, they no. are now. I mean, no. you have things like Blender, which is free, you have Maya, you have all these incredible programs that you can make really complex stuff like you have. Um, yeah. So what's it like having learned, was it on 3DS that you were learning yeah. uh, yep. back then? Yeah, exactly. And then having 3D. to kind of move forward and then apply uh, onto these new programs? Well, it's kind of fascinating because, you know, I never considered myself a technical person. It was a lot more just artistic. And, but I took to this 3D software, it was called 3DS 3 or 4 back then. And uh, because, because it, for the first time in my life, I felt like I could make a whole movie on this one machine. Like it had cameras and lighting and animation and modeling, sculpting, like all these things that I loved. And uh, it, I really took to it. So I was like, wow, I have this whole contained little universe where I can make my own movies. Um, and, you know, even though it was primitive relatively, uh, it, it gave me the concepts and the, the basic ideas of how three dimension worked so, or, or 3D software worked. So it was kind of easy to carry those same concepts into higher level software as it developed and also as a you know as a young person in 3D software you're you uh you kind of develop at the same time as the software develops so i was putting it to use right away in my first video game job and then every time a new software would come out you'd have to learn new stuff right so your brain is constantly evolving with these new abilities and new softwares uh, so it was cool, but mainly the thing that made it different is I was an artist. So there was a lot of technical people that knew the programs, but they weren't artists. So it gave me this little edge 
where I, you know, over time you saw all the technical people kind of get pushed out by the artists people, because as soon as they learned how to use the tools, they were able to develop at a higher level because they right. had this ability that was uh, something a lot of the technical people didn't. So right. it, it was an interesting transition and I was right on the crest of that wave. Yeah. So essentially you would, you would learn as you went along and you just yes. kept on learning and kept on learning to the point yeah. where you just pushed out anybody else who yeah. already knew it because yeah. you had that 2D animation background and yes. as an artist. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Do you, do you think that you can learn how to be an artist? Absolutely. You know, it was, it was so fascinating. I've talked about this many times, like, when I was in school and young, I was young, right? So you you think like, oh, you're born an artist. You have inherent skill that that you know God has given you in whatever way, right? And and like you, me personally, like I felt that way for a long time until I saw firsthand people that I knew that were not good artists work really hard and they became good artists. And I was like, wow, like it it kind of broke my mind. I was like, hey, you know what? Anybody can be an artist, anyone. It's just freaking hard work. And, and it kind of went into everything in life, right? Like, obviously, if you're not born with super springy genetics in your legs, you're not going to win the 100-meter dash at the Olympics, right? You have to have genetics and work really hard. But there's, there's certain things like in life, like art. Things might come a little bit easier to some people. But absolutely, if you do the miles, you work your butt off, you can totally become a good artist, no matter what. Right, right. Because yeah. I'm trying to become, well, uh, as, as opposed to become, I'm just trying to take hold of a lot of my artistic capabilities. Um, yeah. I'm currently like surrounded by PC parts because I'm building yeah. a PC so I can get into Blender actually. Um, awesome. So what kind of tips would you have uh, for somebody who's trying to get into 3D uh, animation? Well, I can tell you firsthand, it's like, uh, it's even another step beyond that. So if you, like for, for me instantly, I started it uh, traditionally, right? With pencils and basic tools of art. Uh, as each level, you leave that or you leave stop motion where you're using your hands and you're sculpting and creating. On the computer, so much it's so attainable because the computer does so much for you of course you have to develop your artistic eyes and skills that it's even easier for a person who might not have had an art background to get in there and succeed uh to get it to the highest level you have to study art it's a different kind of art but you still study art you still have to know anatomy and form and you know all the things you have to develop to be a good person of a good modeler, environment artist, uh, a lighting person, uh, or, you know, an animator, of course. Uh, but as far as uh, study, study the arts. Okay, so that's going to inform you. Absolutely, you're going to learn the technical skills you need to know to, to learn Blender or to learn Maya or whatever software you're learning. But then if you want to be an animator, for, you have to study the craft. The craft of animation is the principles of animation, how people move, acting, uh, performance, like all of the things that are going to make your work special, not just moving smoothly, but special and communicate and magic. Um, so for you, that's animation, right? So if it's modeling, for instance, you need to study not just how to technically model and use the tools in the, in the program, you have to understand form, right? And, and lines and, and that, like I was just saying, anatomy, and then, uh, 
how to technically use that knowledge that you just learned through reading books, through life drawing, through studying and anatomy charts, whatever it's going to be, to this new tool that you have. Uh, lighting, it's the same thing. If lighting in the real world, that knowledge of how light works is going to transfer into your lighting skills in the program. You're still going to be using a three-point setup, uh, bounce. You're going to be playing with color. Like, uh, it's the same stuff. So you'll be studying whatever your speciality is in, in your program, uh, environments, uh, modeling characters, rigging, like creating bone structures for the characters and technically how to make them move properly and interact. Um, all of that is, is just self-study, I think. You can learn it nowadays, which is amazing, all on YouTube. Uh, you don't even have to go to school anymore. The information is pretty much free out there or very inexpensive. And really a lot more to the point than uh, traditional education. Most people that go to traditional education, uh, you learn a lot of things except for what you'll really be doing in the real world when you get a job. That's where you really learn, uh, learn the real stuff. So uh, there's a lot of programs now where you know the the degree doesn't matter anymore. What matters is what you're doing, especially in the arts. Uh, you know, obviously, if you have to be a doctor, you have to still go to school. If you have to be a lawyer, you still have to go to school. But there's a, in our field, the creative arts, uh, so much of it is is really about what you can do, than than a piece of paper and spending a million dollars to go to school. So it's it's really the world's changing in that way, and I I I, uh, I like it. I think it's awesome. I think it's incredible. Like uh, I I for example learned how to use uh, editing software to make videos um, completely free online. Didn't yeah. didn't pay a single penny. It's amazing. And I just I just think it's awesome that yeah. somebody with with nothing essentially. I mean, obviously I've got a laptop, or you have to have a, a device. But even with your phone. You yeah. can literally just oh. make movies on your yeah, own. There's a, there's a really famous movie. I think it's called Tangerine or Grapefruit. It's, it's yeah. some sort of uh, f fruit it's named after. And it yeah. was it was won awards and it was yeah. filmed entirely on a phone. Yeah, um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it, there's more access than ever, ever before to information, obviously, to, uh, you know, less and less excuses on, on doing it. It's really just the gumption and the character uh, that you bring to it and also the uh, the go get it, you know, work hard, work hard and you can get it. I, I tell so many of the people that I, I meet with or talk to online every week, I'm like, it's all there. It's all for free. You just got to dig in. You got to do the time. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's touch back on um, the the real education that you yeah. got outside of, of yes. um, the Pittsburgh, art school, yeah. Art school, Pittsburgh art school, yeah. uh, art school. What, what do you mean by real education? Because you've learned a lot of the theory, I'm guessing, at Pittsburgh, but what is it that's the real education that you learn? Uh, when so the re real it? education is basically, uh, I learned, like, like anything, you learn technical terms, you might learn some basic skill sets, abilities to bring to your larger work. But really, when you get a job or you're surrounding yourself, honestly, with other artists, which is why we go to art school, uh, you're learning more from each other every day. Uh, you're 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 taking the information in in a in a way that's less like words on a piece of paper, like a list and more practically applying it to your work. So 
So when I'm, you know, I have a task of creating a character and making them do a certain amount of actions or movements or communicating a certain piece of dialogue, uh, I'm getting feedback from other professionals, which is, you know, making the information stick in a very different way. Uh, you're getting, uh, you're making mistakes at a different rate uh, and then paying for them in different ways. So like, how do you learn is through making mistakes, right? It really is like 90% of the time. Uh, if you're winning, if you're succeeding all the time, you're not learning as much as you're when you fail. So, so being at a real place where there's consequences or there's uh, other people that will, will help you not fail or help, or, or you're failing, but you're failing on the clock. It, it like, uh, it, it allows you to quickly learn a lot of lessons um because the feedback loop is so fast because you're you're developing you're developing you're developing as opposed to uh just being in school where you're you're really the teachers in in my schools were just like yay good job that's more like what it is like you're just doing an assignment but in the real world you're you're being you you have tasks and, and are being held accountable for them constantly so time management uh making quick choices good choices uh, all of that stuff is is where you're really learning. And then also, just like I said, the fundamentals of animation, which are just the list that you, you're like, oh, yeah, I understand the fundamentals of animation. I can I can tell you them, all 12 of them right now, right? Bop, 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 I can lay them out. But really, when you get out there, because you're applying them, it just seeps in in a whole different way. So I, I think that's the real world education. So, so I guess what I'm getting to too is when I was in school, uh, you know, you get more assignments and men, that's why I think mentorships are so important is because when you have a mentor, they're hyper-focusing you on what matters in your field while school is so big and broad that you don't really get great at any one thing. You don't focus. And really in the real world, you have to focus to, to make a career. You have to figure out what you want to do and really kick butt at whatever that task is and, and then develop it. Um, it's not a big, broad thing. Um, and I understand schools do that because they want you to taste everything and then figure out what you like. But uh, if you have a mentorship or, or someone who can really guide you, a professional, towards what you want, uh, it's so much more valuable and so much more cheap or so, or so much less expensive and, and time-wise more efficient than going and doing all this other stuff that really doesn't matter when you get out into the real world. And if, and if in the creative industry, a lot of it's portfolio based or work-based practical, oh, yeah. then it's, why bother? It's a hundred percent portfolio based and in the arts, yeah. it's all about the portfolio. I don't care. I, I've never once looked at where anyone went to school or whatever. I look at the portfolio. That's what opens your door. That's that's really interesting that because yeah. I would have thought that maybe the the art school that they went to might be slightly considered. No. Well, it, it only is considered after you're interested in their artwork. Uh, you know okay. what I mean? Okay. If if the artwork is awesome, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I just don't care. That's all that matters is what you can do. Are you a great yeah. artist? Are you uh, uh, are you doing great work or work that catches my eye? Yeah. That's it. Then I look at the other stuff. Oh, okay. They went to the school. That's cool. That means that they had a pretty good education, but really it doesn't matter if you see it. 
the person with that went to that awesome school, if their work isn't showing good work, I don't care. Yeah. Again, so yeah. I just don't care. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's talk about de dealing with criticism. Um, I I feel like criticism is really important, at least co constructive criticism, because yes. you know, if I put a video out there or a podcast out there, and people say, "Oh yeah, it was great." And then I say, have you got any feedback on anything, any suggestions for improvement? And they're like, no, it was good. Right. What can, what does that mean to me? It means that like, well, I have, I have nothing that I can go forward with in change to improve. Sure. Um, and I think it's really important that people understand that criticism and making mistakes, like you say, is literally yeah. the thing that's going to make you better at what you want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day you're not, I mean, growth is everything, right? And as an animator, uh, you know, specifically, that's what I do. Every day I'm judged, every single day. And as an artist, you're vulnerable and it hurts sometimes. And sometimes it's awesome. But you literally have to show your work to a director every day. And they say, yes, no, maybe, yes, I hate, I don't like, I love. It could be anything. But you're getting feedback every single day. And absolutely, that feedback is what makes you better. And it could be peer-to-peer -peer feedback while you're just working with other animators, but you get it from the director every day because he's or she's the person that's that's telling the story, right? Yeah. And uh, so you're learning little micro lessons constantly, constantly, and it really is uh, how you grow, for sure. Yeah. Um, how important is it to surround yourself with people that are kind of in the same space as you? Oh, I think it's it's invaluable. It's just like a it's like a warp zone, a turbo tube. If you're if you're not you know surrounding yourself even digitally, like a forum where you can get feedback, you're just in a bubble, right? So you you don't your eyes. I always say it to my daughter. I say it to anyone I work at. They're changing constantly as an artist. Every few I don't know months, a, a month, a week. It could be anything. I go like. Phew. I got new eyes. I tell my wife, hey, babe, I got new eyes today. I can see today what I couldn't see yesterday. And my eyes have been changing every day for the last 25 years of being an artist, my whole life. But as a professional artist, I am growing so much that you just see things you didn't know. You, you're able to, you know, de you're developing your eye and, and your taste buds and your performance. Everything is changing so much. And I think that doesn't always come from you, right? Like, so I have a small group, very small, like three, four people, artists that I work with that I always go to as my go-to, like, you know, I trust them. I can take their feedback without having my feelings hurt in some weird way. And then I have the directors, which are always giving feedback too. But I'm on a team of like 30, 35 animators and artists. So there, you know, you go into a room and you have dailies where you show your shot in front of all of your peers every day. And the director gives feedback and maybe some of the other animators might throw in some feedback. But those five, that small group of four or five friends that I have that I send off to the side before I even show the big room, they are my trusted, you know, people that I'm like, okay, we're all on the same page. We all want to grow. We're all uh, learning uh, that's like my little subgroup that I trust as well as the big one. So, so I think it's really, really, really important. Uh, how did you actually meet them, them people? Oh, through years of working together or working on certain projects or, or, uh, you know, just friendships like that, that you've developed over the years. 
because the animation is a community um you know like before you know maybe i had these people that i work with that i trust uh it was like forums right like you would make animation groups or people that you've met online through through uh you know various you know groups basically a facebook group or a, or a animation sub forum or something like that those people can be that exact group that i've met but these guys i work with so i'm obviously able to show them uh private work that the rest of the world i can't share with um so you always kind of have to have a subgroup i think within your structure as well as you know outside faces and people you can show if it's not private you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more about the the digital uh space and kind of side of things because um for those of you who who aren't familiar with justin he's amassed i think it's almost one million followers on tiktok now isn't it yeah um, yeah were you were you expecting that to happen uh not expecting but wanting desiring and aiming for it so i i was this i always say this it's so weird like social media to me has been a new thing i i i'm an older guy i really was not interested in doing social media i uh I'm like, ah, that's for young kids. And that's like, um, I don't have time for that. Like all the different things old people will say, <laughs> like I did that. And I was like, but I had a, a buddy who was like, Justin, you have to do it. You have to do it. And I also worked with a couple of friends uh, who did it and found huge success, financial success, business success. And one of the things that I really want in life someday is independence, right? So I want to tell my stories and I want to, uh, you know, direct my own films and, and, you know, financially not have to do so much of the nine to five that I do, even though I love my job and I love what I do. I just, as an artist, I want to tell my own stories. So, so I did it and I, uh, and very quickly, I think I, it was like five months I was over, 500,000 followers and then 900 very quickly after that. And, uh, and you know, I'm going to break a million very soon. Uh, I'm focusing this year on, on really diving into the social media, uh, because I've seen the success of it. I, uh, you know, financial is starting to happen. Obviously a following that I'm building is, is very real. Um, so I'm seeing, I, I've grown as a human being and I see the power of the internet and I see the power of, of these groups and micro entertainment and, and the possibilities that I can uh, use this to step off and tell my own story. So I'm, I'm very, very much going in in 2021. But I think the, the problem I've seen with TikTok is people have a very short attention span. Right? absolutely 15 seconds is is the standard usually yeah and absolutely even even if it, it does go up to a minute you can put stuff up there for a minute but sure. people generally don't watch it um so yeah. are you trying to use it to to build a following and people who ad admire your work or are you trying to use it to advertise your services to other people what is it exactly uh, that you want to do with it so so i'm learning all this stuff right and one of the things is when you have one audience it feeds your other audiences right so each one is different like TikTok is definitely fast food it's young um but some of those people that are real fans of what i do will come over to instagram which is an older audience and it has uh 
less fast food. You can put a little more content in there. And it also, you know, brands that want to advertise with you. If you have a certain amount here on Instagram or YouTube or wh whatever you're on, right? Zen, whatever, all the different platforms, um, that number feeding this number, it, it, it has value to them. So they're like, okay, they have a million on, on TikTok that if I post myself wearing a shirt that's of a certain brand or holding a drink of a certain brand, that many people are gonna see it. Uh, and it has a financial uh, a, a number that's attached to it. If I go to Instagram, I can do the same thing. Uh, that audience has a certain financial number attached to it. Um, so, so each one of them feed each other and each group has something different to offer as far as like, um, but, it, but it's all developing your own audience and it's all, uh, there, there's a certain percentage of each uh, platform that are going to go into your super fan group, right? And like help you reach your super goals, right? They're gonna watch every video I put up for 10 minutes on, on YouTube. Uh, there's the other ones that just want to see the quick feedback on on TikTok of like a cool action animation, uh, but then they'll come to your your uh, live streams, right? And live streams is a very different thing. And then there's ways financially that that can pay you back with with donations and requests, and it, it's really fascinating. I'm learning about it all, but I'm financially seeing that each one of them is helping each other out. So. Uh, so they, they, they all feed into each other, I guess is what it is. It's like an ecosystem yeah. of, of, of help. And all of them have grown all of my audiences guaranteed. Hmm. The conversion rate is strange though. Um, like I have a TikTok page has about 6,000 followers, nothing too yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, but my YouTube only has, I try not to pay attention to the numbers too much, but, uh, right. about 145 subscribers, which yeah. isn't a great deal. Um, right. And I've posted snippets of my YouTube on there and they haven't done too well. And I just feel like it's very, very difficult to convert people over from watching 10 seconds or 15 seconds of your content. Right. To, Especially to from TikTok, man. Especially yes. from TikTok. Like I said, people are inherently lazy and, and consumption-ish. I mean, it, the, it's even interesting to see how few people will like something. Yeah. They don't even have the, the, uh, the energy to go like, I like this. Yeah. To feed you back with a like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't just watch it, consume it, move on. Watch it, yeah. consume it, move on. But like I said, there's a percentage that will come back and uh, they become fans. And if you're interacting, it, it's really cool to interact with my fans. Then they do jump, they do make that jump. And those are the ones that, that really matter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people can watch one of my time lapses and, and be really like, oh, cool, and consume it, and then that's it, it's gone forever. Um, but the real ones who wanna know how that dinosaur was made or how that character was made, they will go over to my YouTube and then subscribe and become a fan. So so it's just kind of like uh, playing the numbers games. Mm -hmm. And regardless, if your TikTok, even though they're not consuming or liking uh, my YouTube or my Instagram, what they are is there are a number of people that will see my work and then therefore I can set up brand deals. Right. That makes or sense. Or they, they might stop by my live stream and yeah. watch and maybe donate for some information or feed my education. Like I do private education. Uh, maybe they want to take my class. That There's a direct transfer of all of that happening. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. But this, this kind of route is a lot more non-traditional. 
the more traditional form is kind of basically trying to get into Hollywood, which is what you have achieved. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that and uh, Paranorman, uh, which was yeah. a movie that you you worked on and did really yeah. well on. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching it when I was a kid, and then now I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the guy who yeah. helped and animated on this movie. Um, yeah. So what did you what did you learn working in Hollywood, and how does it uh, compare to working outside of it? Um, well, it's amazing. I, I, I'll tell you, as a person who grew up, like I said, watching monster movies, wanting to do special effects, it's a dream come true. When you go work on a feature film with 400 other artists and there's 40 stages with amazing sets and incredible puppets and your you know a beautiful lighting and photography it feels like old world movie making it feels like you're you're you know you're on set for a year or two years watching a film get made one frame at a time it, it feels amazing it, it, basically imagine having the best artists the best photographers, everyone of their special specialty, all together making, telling one story at the same time. It feels amazing. Uh, I, 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 in my heart is so full every time I'm on a feature film project. Uh, and I feel so fortunate and lucky to be there. Uh, it's, it's magic. Um, the problem is that it's just for that feeling. It's personal satisfaction as an artist, right? So you're busting your butt for somebody else's story. You're busting your butt for some other person to make millions of dollars, maybe, who knows, uh, which is fine, right? But but what this new social media stuff is opening up is even though it's maybe micro entertainment, fast food, uh, that is yours and it lives with you forever. So if I do a viral video, which I've had several viral videos, and I put that somewhere now, like I'm learning this, I take that off TikTok where it got 19 million views, and I put it on my YouTube where someday it can get a million, 19 million views. Now I'm getting paid. I get paid every commercial, every view. And uh, that now is what this this stuff they called, you know, uh, evergreen content, right? Like new generations of people might find this video and I'm going to get paid forever for something I made. Uh, and that can set up independence, right? I've had several artist friends that have become independent just doing these personal little animations. So it, it's cool. You don't need a studio. Uh, you don't need, uh, you know, some production company to buy off on your project. It's all you. And you have every, every opportunity to find huge success with something that came from your heart or your mind. So I, I really, really am excited about the opportunity uh, for, for that, right? Because you can work this, the Hollywood system your whole life, be an animator, make a living, but really not go anywhere, just kind of make a living, right? But this other new opportunity now allows you to create something that will feed you forever and also, um, you know, create independence, right? To where maybe like for me, for instance, I want to make my own stories. Someday, if I do this other thing enough, I'm going to be able to tell my own stories and have an audience that wants to watch it. So so it's really, really uh, a special combination that I know a lot of the people that have been in the business for a long time are looking to jump into social media uh, 
for that exact reason versus the other way around where, you know, of course, any young artist is going to want to go feel what it's like to work in Hollywood or at a, you know, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or whatever big studio Disney DreamWorks. So, so I get both and I enjoy both too. I really do. But I'm definitely as an older artist developing my community and my, my online presence, I am very interested in telling my own stories and, and finding and financial independence uh, with an audience that I create too. Because mm. mm. like you say, at the moment, a lot of the work that you've been doing even recently, you know, you, you work for Blizzard, you've done, uh, I saw the Masters of the Universe little animation that you did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome stuff. But like you say, it's for somebody else. Yeah. Um, so what are your plans going forward when it comes to building your own stories? Uh, well, you know, I've been writing with my family, my wife for years. So we have a lot of feature film ideas that we want a lot of, uh, feature film. Um, uh, I should say, like I said, I grew up on creature features. I grew up on secret in them, these animated films. I have, I, I have stories that I want to tell. So we are using my, growing power as an independent artist and my growing audience as an independent artist to have clout because i can tell you that having a million followers it, it it carries clout these days um to uh, uh to pitch my concepts to the larger studios or to who knows because this is changing every day if you build a large enough audience you can self-fund you can get your audience to support you to in this filmmaking process. So like, these are all goals of mine, but really I'll be pitching to places, you know, like Netflix or whatever major studio that would listen to me, uh, our ideas. Um, and then also pitching to my fans. If I get there someday to where I have enough people to be like, Hey, this is an idea I have. Do you guys feel like supporting it? And, and, you know, I found some small success, even in my little experience where, uh, I ran a Kickstarter on one of my last stop motion films and we raised, you know, 20 some thousand dollars wow. to do the music for our film, to, to, to hire the people to do the score for our short. And I mean, that was years ago when I just had a blog. Mm -hmm. So now here I am jumped into this new social media world. I can imagine that only gets bigger yeah. that if, if you have enough steady supporters I would be able to raise money someday yeah. for for a film that I want to make. So we we're very much uh, excited about this new new uh, ability and opportunity. Have you heard of the concept of a thousand true fans? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, so true. Hundred um, percent. For those of us who, those of you who don't know, I'm just going to quickly explain it. It's basically yeah. that let's pretend um, I'm a creative and I want to make a living out of my work. If I have 1,000 true fans who are willing to pledge 100 pounds to me every year, yeah. that means yeah. I have 100,000 pounds every year. Yeah, um, amazing. Which which is awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it can be... and it's true. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm connecting with my audience. Uh, I've started recently doing live streams every Friday, right? And, uh, and I'm really sitting there and starting to see faces that regularly come, um, comments from people that are regular, uh, and I'm creating these real relationships with people. And I'm positive out of that million followers I have, I have a hundred fans that are true fans. They watch everything I do. And, and that, that's a perfect example of it. If I'm really 
creating something that that they value uh, in this relationship and also uh, in art that I want to create. I mean, that's that's massive. That's yeah. massive. That really adds up. Have you have you uh, had a look at Patreon? I have, man. Like this is again part of me being the older guy. Is like each time I add a new thing to my my, I'm like. Uh, I have to learn Patreon now. Like, yeah. like you know, I hang out with my wife. I hang out with my family. I uh, I create art. I do like sports. I do like, and then I animate all night, right? Yeah. Like I I do all, and then I work all day. Like I have so much going on in my days. Like I'm doing TikTok. I do Instagram. I do Twitter. I yeah. do Zen. I do YouTube. I'm creating all content for all these platforms. And then Patreon is the newest one. And it's funny you mentioned that because just a few days ago, I had a buddy say, Justin, you got to get on Patreon. And I'm like, oh, and I teach too. I teach privately. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't have time. My brain is full. But I think I have to uh, really look into it because I think there 100%. is an opportunity there to, for the people that can't afford my full classes, because I, I charge a real a real educational cost. Like any like online mentoring, I'm I'm very similar in my pricing because I've been doing this a long time and I have a lot of information and it's private. But for the people that can't maybe afford that, a Patreon might be a, a, a really nice in-between where they still get to access me and have some real education, but uh and also support my my art because I'm like right now I'm making not only online content, but an original film that I've been working on with my wife and we want to finish this thing in a year, you know, and uh, that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. Uh, but but having people that would support that would be really really cool. I think uh, have, you, I th sorry, go ahead. Ed. Um, I think you'll be surprised how much some people can make on Patreon. I know there's a podcast called um, well, so t two creators who have a podcast called the TMG Podcast, and it's it's mainly just a funny podcast. There's, okay, it's nothing. Um, it's, and, and I, I can tell that their demographic is relatively young, but when I had a look at the other day, they're making around about 55 grand a month, Right, 55 grand a month from their Patreon supporters, which is just out of this world. On top of that, yeah. they have sponsorships and advertising, yeah. like, like sure. you said, they have other things. So like, imagine, could you even imagine being at this point where creators can independently fund themselves through their fans? like 20 years ago could, could that even be imagined back then yeah it's incredible the world has changed so much in that way and i i i again i i i am always kind of downgrading myself as far as like it's it's unfortunate but i i'm like nobody wants to know this from me nobody wants to see my talk or my version of words in whatever subject but but i'm wrong and there is an audience for that stuff uh so you know, it, it's it's hard. I just have to think about like how how what I could offer through Patreon that that would make people want to come. Like a podcast makes sense because it's just entertainment, right? It's straight up verbal entertainment. They can put it on when they work and just just listen and devour it. Uh, what I do is I don't know if it would be. I guess it could be like a podcast based thing, uh, but I I I think of it as more like a technical situation yeah. where I'm teaching like sculpting or I'm teaching molding or or animation tidbits uh I would just have to really you know get strategic in what yeah. I'm offering and 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 how that paywall works 
but I think you're right. You're, you, you mentioned it too. I, I should definitely look into it. Yeah. Um, this is, this is a question that I kind of thought about beforehand. How difficult do you think it is for creatives to make a living then with all these things? <sighs> I think it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's easier than ever before. Uh, I think it really is like, I'm, I'm getting blown out of the water every week with the newest idea of how people are making money. And it's yeah. like, who would have ever thought that? Like, there's something ridiculous. This is a hundred ways I can drink water. Uh, you know, like whatever you can imagine can become entertainment these days. And I'm, I'm like, you know, opening toys. That blew me away the first time. Yeah. Hey, this is me unboxing a toy. What? You're making money through unboxing a toy? You, it blew my mind. Like, and that makes sense. That I'm like, okay, that's entertaining. I can see that. There's so many different things that I never could have imagined would be uh, considered entertainment in a way to make money. So, so it's really all here. I think it's easier than ever. It's just finding a concept that lands. I saw someone reading rap lyrics in slow motion. And he's got like 3 million followers. So I'm like, what? How does wow. this? What? <laughs> like, like it's mind-blowing. So really, I, I, opportunity is through the roof. You just have to find a weird little niche and then ride it. And then, and, and there were, I, I have a friend whose ex-girlfriend was a stewardess on, or a, a flight attendant. And she does all these little flight attendant uh, skits. And she, you know, three, 3 million followers or whatever. She put up. She's from Canada, so she wasn't able to monetize on TikTok, but she put up like she she would be making like close to $12,000 a month on TikTok wow. right now if she was monetized. And I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. That right there shows everything, how, how yeah. you can really, really find success with this stuff. That is that is phenomenal. Touching yeah. upon that thing you said about finding a niche, um, that's something that I'm really finding difficult. Uh, I'm playing around with a whole bunch of things at the moment. Yeah. And even within them, like filmmaking, let's say, like you have to find a niche within filmmaking. And then within that thing, you have to find a niche within that. Yeah. And it's it's kind of scary to think that I'm going to have to dedicate everything that I have or a lot of the time that I have and work really hard for just such a small yeah. piece of this industry or of this skill. Um. I don't know either. I don't know what my niche is. Just to put that out there, I have a following. When I started, I was like, okay, animation. That's my thing, right? But even that's too broad sometimes uh, because I'll put like CG animation that I've done. I'll put acting that I do for animation. I'll put stop motion animation, which like they're all different audiences, right? I'll just put stunts that I do. Like I do action stuff, right? Like yeah. I'll put a stunt in there. I'm like, that's part of my animation. And like, you know, people are, so I think people are like, what am I getting on this yeah. channel? What am I getting? So I know that I'm a little all over the place uh, and people don't always know what they get when they follow me, but it's all part of me too. So I'm kind of like selling myself in a way, like as far as like, Justin is, he likes to move. He likes to animate. He likes puppets. He likes yeah. toys, whatever it is. Uh, but I do need to focus. And I, and I think I'm going to be doing that a little bit in the next year too. Cool. Uh, with my um, YouTube, especially, I'm making that kind of a, a focus of me is like get people from all these other channels to start following me on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, 
so I'm going to get a lot more more tutorial based, really the nuts and bolts of what people go when they type in like, how do I do this? Boom. Yeah. And they're going to have access to it from from me. Yeah. One thing I've been thinking about is um, how certain creators can get away almost with doing anything. So let's say I'm a fan of YouTube A, right? Uh -huh. When I first got drawn in to watch YouTube A, they might have been doing cooking content, let's say. So they, they did like really entertaining cooking videos. So then I watched them to the point where I'm like, okay, well, I really like YouTube A now. So when YouTube A builds a platform on cooking content, they might be able to go like a little bit further and be like, okay, we're doing DIY stuff now. Well, it's relatively similar, cooking, DIY. And then from there, they branch out even more. And to the point where now, because they have so many people liking them for who they are, they can then get away with doing anything that they want. I think when you look at the biggest people on this platform, like PewDiePie, for example, yeah. on YouTube, he started out doing scary horror movie videos. And now wow. he's done everything, everything in the book. Wow. Uh, video games. Is, um, yeah, yeah. Like scary video games, like yeah. Amnesia. And yeah. he's done, he's done music. He's done literally anything you can think of. And wow. Batman's done it all because he's got, he's drawn people in with that content. Yeah but they yeah. stayed for him and yeah. then they stay for everything that he does. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a small creator like myself, mm -hmm. it's difficult to do that because I, I'm at the point where I have to draw right. people in for something. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to build, I think, uh, you know, finding, getting that following is first everything. And then obviously having to feed it enough to keep, like for me, I definitely, I know I have such divided audiences that if I don't feed some video game people, they're going to leave. If I don't mm. feed some stop motion people, they possibly will leave. If I don't feed some, you know, like enter base entertainment stuff, then they'll leave. So it's really, it's pretty fascinating. Like, uh, you know, finding that, that initial audience and then being able to support it before I branch out as well, like I'm starting to do toy kind of stuff and collectibles hmm. and uh, you know, so they don't do as well as some of my other videos. Hmm. So, you, you know, you have to find a find your way, but they are getting fed. So it's like, there are some crossover, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Awesome. Well, before we uh, wrap this one up, um, I'm just going to head and ask you some kind of quick fire questions. Awesome. Sure. Sure. So, the first one is, uh, what's a piece of advice that you'd give to your younger self? My younger self. Uh, I guess focus, just focusing on, on, uh, on one thing instead of many things. And it, 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 it's hard to say because the world has changed so much since I was younger, uh, that being a full kind of broad artist was very beneficial because everything was more general art back then. But focusing on one thing would have would have still benefited me in the end. Uh, I, I think focusing on on your uh, direct goal, what, what do you want to do? Like if I would have known I would have wanted to be an animator back then, I would have focused 100% of my energy on being an animator, uh, not just, you know, learning how to paint backgrounds and sculpt and do the 50 other things that I wanted to do. Uh, so that directly is to me, my younger audience, it would be to focus. Uh, if I was giving advice to young people interested in social media period these days, 
uh, it has to be find your niche uh, because uh, there's so many, there's so much consumption happening of information. And if you can stand out and make something unique, that's when you're going to find success. There's 30,000 people opening toys or 30,000 people talking about a certain kind of politics or 30,000 people, you know, there's, there, there's, there's, uh, too much overlap on these things and you'll never find the really big success that if you really find something unique, like reading rap lyrics in slow motion or, <laughs> or, or drinking water a hundred different ways, whatever that thing is that makes you special and stand out. Uh, I think that's really, really important. I, I have a buddy actually, here's one that's really funny is, uh, the guy who actually talked me into trying, uh, social media. He said, ant farms, I'm doing an experiment. I'm going to do a post every day about ant farms. And he built a huge audience off of just ant farms because it was specific. And he does silly little things every day about ants and ant farms. And it took off and he started making money. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Rob's ants. How did this happen? <laughs> I mean, it was pure experiment. He was like, I just want to see how it works. Social media works. And it just proved to me like how how important that is to have something unique, you know, mm. take something think, as random as that. I think the difficulty with that, though, is that there comes a risk of having the ant farms now define your friend or having yes. the person yes. who drinks all them. They are oh, you're the person on TikTok who drinks all that water. You're right, the guy right. who has the ant farm. <laughs> so then you don't want to be known as that, that dude who has the ant farm, right? Well, here, here's the interesting thing is he he branched <laughs> off. And he made a new channel. So he has Ant Farm Guy, right? Ant, Rob's Ants. And then he has TikTok, uh, TikTok Sensei. So now he gives advice on how to make a successful TikTok thing with TikTok mm. Sensei. Because he's a martial arts guy, right? So he's like, <laughs> he uses his martial arts backgrounds with giving advice about TikTok. And it's like, okay, now he has two different followings, right? Mm. Uh, that he's able to kind of feed over and bounce if you want to learn about how to be successful with TikTok, come over to TikTok Sensei. And then, you know, and then he built a secondary audience. So, right, okay. yeah, like, I think you can branch off, but, but obviously it's, 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 uh, it's time that you're, you're uh, needing to supply to each one of these, you know, uh, channels. So yeah. it's, it's all really fascinating, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next question is how much of the success that you've had, which by the way, let's do a quick recap is sure. an incredible amount of success. Like you've worked for some of the biggest companies oh. in, the, <laughs> in the game. Thank um, you. there's blizzard Nickel Nickelodeon with SpongeBob, um, yeah. Yeah. worked on paranormal and all yeah. of these incredible things. How much of that success is down to your hard work and how much of it all, is down to of, chance? All of it, all of it. I'll tell all your fans. It's, I always say this hard work is the easy part. And that's what I feel sets me apart from so many humans is, yeah, I, you know, I have gifts. Sure. I have some gifts, but hard work is my number one gift. It will, it, it trumps everything because I feel like I can outwork anybody. That's, that's my guts is, is me is like my, my dad worked his butt off. My mom worked their butt off. I saw them work their butts off their whole lives. And their success was through hard work. And I, I just inherited that, that, that feeling through, through modeling, right? And uh, I feel like 
I can become as good as an artist as my body will work. I will become as as successful on TikTok as as hard as I work. I will on each one of these stations. It's just putting in the hours. It's putting in the research. Hard work. Hard work is everything. It really is. I I, I it beats talent every time to me. It, it yeah. just does. The the quote that sums that up that I'm sure everybody's heard is, "Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard." Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. It's just grind, man. It's just grind. You you got to really put in the time because I'll tell you, 99.9% of the rest of the world doesn't want to work that hard. So it's easy to beat them. And and if you know that, you're, you're going to succeed. Just grind. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask you, what do you think that it is that sets you apart? But I think I already know the answer. <laughs> yeah, man, it really, it really is. I, uh, the only other thing I can add to the hard work is passion. I love, I love animation. I truly love it. Hmm. And when you love something, it, it permeates your, your, your cells and it comes out of you. And, uh, if you can, of course, like you said, Maybe that guy loves, loves rap so much that he wants to do it in slow motion because he knows all these lyrics so much. Um, I love animation. So if I'm able to express that, regardless of if this person over here doesn't like animation, they might sense that about me and feel that in my, in my verb, in, my, in how I speak and how I emote. And there's something attractive about that and genuine. So another piece of advice is, of course, do what you love, right? Because you're going to be a lot more successful and it's a lot easier to work. Mm -hmm. Like I grind and I work, but I love my work, right? So it feeds my soul. It doesn't feel the same as like if I'm literally out there digging a ditch all day where I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I'm doing what I love and I'm working really hard at it. So it, 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 it just eases the whole process. Yeah, and that's something to, that's really important to remember. I, I saw this video that puts it into perspective really well. He, this guy basically does this massive rant about um, you could basically become the number one person who talks about kazoos, but if you don't give a damn about kazoos, that's not going to feed you all. Yeah, yeah, so, it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, next question would be, is there anything that you you regret in your life? Oh man, I don't think so. I don't think so. Regrets. Uh, I, I really, everything I've done, you know, I have this outlook, right? And I've always had it. I always felt like I was the luckiest dude in the world. That's what I used to just say. In the worst moments of my life, maybe, which I, I just don't, I've, I'm a pretty positive human being. I've always looked at it as, oh, it's supposed to happen. Say I got fired from a job. It's supposed to happen. Cause I'm not supposed to be there. I'm supposed to go over here. Um, flipping your perspective to a positive place uh, really drives your life. And, and I, I, I always do that. Like anything, I have zero regrets because they always take me to the next place I'm supposed to be. And if I made a mistake, I learned a lesson, you know, uh, like everything being looked at from, uh, from a positive perspective is going to take you to a positive place. I mean, it just serves your life. If you if you crumble and feel depressed and uh, look at things as negative, the world's out to get me. Whatever it is, that's what you're gonna get. That's all you're gonna do. You're gonna you're gonna manifest your destiny. So if you look at and and change the picture to everything, uh, you know, 
being a positive situation or a lesson or uh or movement in life you're you're gonna succeed guaranteed mm -hmm. uh and have a happier existence i know yeah yeah, yeah. and th the final question would be if you had everyone in the world listening to this podcast right now what would be your message to them oh my gosh <sighs> i think my wife used to say this chase your bliss and I, 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 it basically means do what you love, man. Surround, it's just going to make you happy. Your cells are going to be happy. If, if what you love doesn't make any money, who cares? You're happy. You know what I mean? Like chase your bliss. Um, work hard, but do what you love. Chase, chase the things that make you happy. Like I, I got asked on, on many of my podcasts or live streams, is it too late for me to become an animator? I'm 30. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Sorry to curse. Are you kidding me? I'm like, you you live once. Once. You get one chance to, to ride this ride we're on on planet Earth. Like, live it. Like, I don't care if you're 60 years old. If you don't want to do what you're doing, change paths. Get on a different track. Yes, become an animator. I didn't start stop motion animation until I was 30 maybe even 34 or something like that. I don't even remember, like it was 12 years ago. So 12, 15 years ago, a long time ago. Uh, I I just started doing it because I, I was like, this is something I really wanted to try and love. And, and I love animation because I was already doing animation, but I wasn't as satisfied by CG, by the computer, as I am by touching real artwork that, that I create with my hands. That is so satisfying to me. Uh, so absolutely change paths, chase your bliss, do, do what you have to do. We, we get one chance at this life, right? So take chances, make mistakes and, and live it. Enjoy, do what you love. Well, that was a, uh, a really beautiful message there, Justin. <laughs> yeah. Um, if people want to find your, your stuff, where can they go? Uh, on YouTube, Justin Rosh animation on, um, on Instagram, Justin Rush official. On uh, on Twitter, Justin Rush underscore official. Just type in my name, Justin R A S C H, and you're gonna find stuff. Really uh, would appreciate anyone of you coming over to watch some cartoons. Awesome. Well, uh, Justin, we'll have to do this again when um, once I've got into animation a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, awesome. man. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching and listening. A huge thank you to Justin Rosh for coming on this episode of The Bit Between. I've been your host, Sabi Mahmood. You can find me on Instagram at thesabdog or subscribe right here on this channel to know exactly when I release a new video or podcast. And I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful day. Once again, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you guys in the next one.